Hey everyone, welcome to New Goggles number eight. I am so excited about this because this is something that I'm super passionate about. I am so blessed that God has made me passionate about this subject. So uh, I'm going to be talking about some personal stuff in this. I'm going to be talking about uh, a lot of different things, but this particular one, number eight, should be transformational to you. Now, you have to do these new goggles in order and you should do the work. And by the way, the work isn't going to be completed in a week. Uh, the work is going to be for the rest of your life. Uh, there's the uh, true secret about this, but uh, th we are, we are supposed to work out our salvation and this isn't a salvation issue, of course. However, uh, this is, we want to operate in the way that God intended us to work. So, you know, uh, before coming into the studio and talking about this, I just, you know, for some reason, I've been having this parody of the Green Acres song, a very old TV show. Uh, some of you may know it, some of you don't, but I keep having this parody running through my head prior to recording. And this morning it was like, uh, new goggles is the place to be. God's plan for you and your family. And that's right, we are going to be talking about God's plan for you and your family. If you, uh, particularly if you've paid attention to uh, number six and number seven, uh, we know that God's plan, the foundation of all of society, is the family. If we want to take back our country, we got to take back the family. If we want to take back our community, we have to take back the family. And I'll put this out there. If we want to live together in a world the way that God actually intended us to live, even for a short period of time before he comes and he could come today, he could come tomorrow, he could come a thousand years from now. We don't know. But we are to live like he. we have to be ready for if he comes the day. But we also have to live like we are long-term thinkers and that he might not come for a thousand years. So here's where society is messed up. And these are the points, and we've been messing up for thousands of years. But today's episode is going to talk to you about how we gain control back. Listen. There's a reason why these deletes are controlling the world. You want to know why they're controlling the world? Because they actually followed God's plan in their families. Now, I'm not talking about incestual stuff. I'm not talking about, but the actual operation of how their family structure works, they have done it. Why? Because the devil knows God is real and the devil knows God's word is the truth. So these devilish families who are in power have actually been employing all of these things that we're talking about. Think about that for a second. They've been doing it, and we have not. We, the church, we, the disciples of Christ, Christians, we have not been living this way. When my eyes were open to this, about 20 years ago, maybe 22 years ago now, and I started studying and I started seeing the depth in the scriptures and God's word and how important this is to God, to God for us. 
my eyes were open and it turned into a passion for me. It turned into a major passion. Why? Because there's very few topics that God is more passionate about in the Bible. Why does he spend so much time talking about this? And yes, I'm coming back right down to stewardship again. And I said it last week, I'll say it again this time. In the New Testament, God mentions faith 215 times, mentions heaven 218 times, stewardship principles 2,085 times. That's 10 times a 10-time factor. So should we take it serious? Yes. Why are churches not preaching this? Why are they not giving out the foundations of how God has told us how to live? I'll tell you why. Because they want, <laughs> they want you to be dependent on them. Oh, the devil has got the pulpit for sure. And not every preacher is a bad person. I don't hear anything that I am not saying. But when they went to preacher school, they were taught, this is how to build a church. This is what you say. Oh, don't go there. Don't talk about that. And, you know, don't even talk about running a family budget because that's boring. If it's not boring to God, it's not boring to me. And I get, this is, this is about generations in your family. That is what this is all about. God wants you to build generationally. And yes, God doesn't want you to be poor because if you were poor and had nothing, you would never be in power. Uh, is the son of a king poor? Think about it. How did Solomon do? And this isn't about prosperity. God wants to work with you wherever you're at. This is not about prosperity. In fact, I'm just going to give you, you know, obviously I did the Creating Wealth Through Stewardship course available on Right On You. Uh, here is the secret sauce. Uh, if you do not, if you take nothing, if you don't take the course, if you don't take the one dirty little secret that no one talks about is unless you run a godly budget, you're never going to be blessed by God. And no one who talks about prosperity talks about, uh, you know, how to make a million dollars, get rich quick stuff, you know, prosperity preachers just sow into the ministry and God will return to you. How come they never tell you about, uh, actually, God's not going to bless you because you're not running a budget? Think about it. If you're not a good manager, is God going to get bless you? You need to be a good manager. And it's not just money. It's managing your relationships. It's managing everything. The more stuff that you become good at managing, God will bless you with. And just speaking on the money thing, so the secret sauce, I wanted to make sure you got this. And I do encourage you to take Creating Wealth Through Stewardship because uh, even if you just take the budget portion of it and forget everything else, there's really three steps in it. Uh, it's very simplistic uh, in its approach. It is mind-changing. It's life-changing. But even if you just took the very basics of it, you will not compromise your lifestyle and you will have, on average, 20 to 30% more uh, 
money at the end of the year. And it's not, you don't even have to make more. It's just, you know how to do your budget. And here is one of the secret sauces of it. No matter what, well, I'll just use myself as an example. If I'm making $200,000 a year, or if I'm making $35,000 a year, my budget should not change. I should live the exact same way. If all, if all of a sudden I went from $35,000 a year up to $200,000 a year, the only thing that should change is my giving and my investments. Now, eventually, if you, you know, go up in salary that much and you do that consistently, is there a time to buy a bigger house? Yeah, perhaps. Is there a time to do that? But I'm telling you, this is God's way of doing it. If you just do that, you are setting a foundation and a principle. And don't you want to know how to make it grow throughout your family? Well, I'm going to start off with a scripture reading that I just think is so pertinent to this topic here. And it comes from Genesis uh, 12, verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you. And the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And just staying on a Genesis theme for a moment, and this is setting the foundation for this particular teaching. But in Genesis chapter 1, God uses this phrase 10 times. In Genesis chapter 1, God uses this phrase 10 times. Please get a notebook. Please write down Genesis 12, 3, and then write this down. If you, you got to keep notes. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. I want you to take the time to read the scriptures and let God's word supernaturally uh, put it into your heart. Uh, because this is all based on God's word. This isn't Jeff teaching, okay? This is Jeff transposing what God has taught me through his word uh, for generation for for you know decades. And um, I'm just being diligent and teaching you. And I pray before I do these that he gives me the right words. And I hope this is being a blessing to you. So uh, he uses this phrase 10 times. After its kind. So what's he talking about? After its kind. Well, <laughs> he's obviously talking about family unit you know obviously a lot of other things but he's talking about dna after its kind after its kind we're not supposed to mix dna that's a whole other uh discussion that a lot of our audience are familiar with uh because of some of the subject matter that we've dealt with but after its kind but he's also making a point about what he authorizes. Okay? You pick this up. Because God says, ten times, after its kind, and after its kind, and after its kind. Please read it. And also, I'll give you another scripture. Uh, so that, you know, Genesis 1, 11. Uh, also, 
uh, Philippians 3, verse 12. Just just check it out. But there's no nowhere else in Scripture other than Genesis 1 that uh, God says after its kind. And by saying this, he's telling you what he authorizes. So if God is for me, who could be against me, right? Are you following me? If God is for me, who could be against me? So he authorizes it. He creates it. He permits it. If God permits it, what could be against it? And if it comes from God, it has purpose. It has design. Because all of this world is his perfect design. Everything needs each other to function. If a species goes extinct, we're in a panic mode. Everything has its design. And if God created it, and it has purpose, and it has design, then it has destiny. And we're going to start to look at what God's destiny and how to actually follow God's plan for your family. Uh, just real quickly in the in the comments, is is this something you want to learn? Is this something you think is important to you? It's important to God. I, I think I can prove that, and I'm going to. Uh, but is it important to you? Please give me some comments. I, I do. I read every one of the comments on these things. All right. So let's go back to Genesis. 12, 3. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And I will bless all of the families in the earth because of you. So let's just look at your family for a second. Um, I, and I want to tell you what, there's, there's a book that really inspired this particular chapter, and in fact, my my whole stewardship journey started with one book written by this person, Dennis Peacock, who I've uh, quoted several times in this because he was my main mentor, uh, and two others uh, that I've mentioned as well. But he wrote a book called Doing Business God's Way, and he starts out the book by saying that we are in God's family business. Family is the foundation of society. We are in his family business. Are we children of God? We're in his family. Are we in his business? Uh, by the way, uh, he coins the phrase almighty and sons. That's what he names the business, which I thought was just uh, absolutely incredible. And, uh, so the family unit, the family business, is the biblical foundation of lasting wealth structures. With godly character, it will have an ongoing legacy. And I started off by saying these deletes that are running this world, uh, do they have a long-lasting legacy? Like, can you go back to centuries when uh, certain families didn't have money? 
No, they're employing these things and we are not. Is it time to change? Put in the comments, is it time to change? This is going to be transformational for you. Participate. Take action. Put something in the comments. You got to take action. God isn't going to do everything for you. He hasn't. So maybe there's some precedent in your life. So when we look at economics, and we're talking about money in this particular case, but it's much more than that. It's relationships. These apply to so many different spheres of management in your life. But when you look at the word economics, it comes from the Greek word ekios, E-K-I-O-S, which means household management. And uh, sorry, I'm going to do this a few times in this broadcast, but when I go in creating wealth through stewardship, I talk about what, how God intended us to manage these things. And this is before money, before money was created, because, you know, God was working on this earth even before man created money and tilted the scales against the people. That's what it was about. All of a sudden, this gold coin is worth a thousand cattle on the hill are worth, says the king. Think about it. The game has been rigged since the creation of money. And I think Caesar even put his face on that coin. Mammon. Hmm. Can't worship both mammon and God. So... We need to build up our families and we need to start building the family business. And by the way, the family business, uh, you might have extended members of the community that you call family. You know, they are actually knitted in with you, even if they're not your blood relative. They are actually knitted in with you and they are to be blessed by God. Genesis 12, 3. Even those who bless you, I will bless them. If they're not blessing you, they're probably not going to be, you're not going to call him brother, even though he's not blood brother. Right? Um, actually, I'm going to give you a scripture for that. Uh, Ephesians verse 4, or uh, chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. Now, why is this so important? Well, God's, if a godly family has a dynasty, uh, for instance, uh, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, there's a dynasty. This is Satan's worst nightmare. And this is why Satan has worked so hard to have this world deceive you, me, everybody into not following God's principles like he has the satanic families following it and they're ruling the world. Do we want to take back 
Do we want to live as God intended? These are the things we must do. And, and just as an extension, uh, I was talking about non-blood relatives. So we could say our spiritual family. So for instance, I have my natural father. Uh, his name is John. And I have my spiritual father. His name is Walt. Uh, Walt was the one who brought me to Christ. He was the preacher in the first uh, church that I went to. And I still talk to him and his wife often and get counsel from them uh, when needed, especially when I need someone from outside who doesn't understand some certain things, but uh, he knows the Bible well, and he's the one who taught me how to read the Bible and all kinds of things. He really discipled me into things, even though I'm a very flawed man. But so your spiritual families, as well as our natural families, your spiritual family is as important to God as your natural family. I, that's maybe a bold statement. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple scriptures to back that up because it is kind of a bold statement. Uh, but those who God put in our lives that we're supposed to be knitted together with um, really are important. And that should be part of our dynasty, you might say. And uh, oh, by the way, the, uh, the world says your net work is your net worth. There's a lot of truth to that. Uh, people who hang out with the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds are probably wealthy as well. Uh, they're not hanging around with little slaves like you and I. Um, so we're meant to grow together. And uh, and here here's a, uh, uh, so go to Matthew uh, chapter 12, verses 48 to 50. And I think you'll find that very interesting. So we have our natural family which is the foundation of lasting wealth structures, and it's supposed to create an ongoing legacy, a dynasty, and this is a threat to Satan. So let's start learning how to do it. Man, I'm going to give you some principles here. This is life-changing. Take notes, take notes, take notes. Watch it twice if you need to. So going back to Genesis 1 and after its kind. So God has given us instruction and he authorizes it, he permits it, and he has a destiny for it. And that is your family and those knitted in with you. And obviously after its kind is, you know, talking about reproduction. So we are called to produce and and listen, I, I want to be have a lot of uh, consideration. Some people are not able to produce, and that's why I also put emphasis on those knitted together with you are as important in God's eyes as your blood relatives. And even if we're to reproduce as a natural is as in having childbirth, um, we can also reproduce ourselves, our values, our spiritual walk, disciple, in fact, mentor uh, is another word for it, those who are knitted with us. So uh, these principles apply not only 
to having children inside of a family thing, but having that extended family and how you relate to those. So this is all relational, folks. Uh, it isn't all about money. It's all about relationship as well, because God builds relationally. This is how he does it. So if God is going to build relationally, if he's going to build uh, in you and your family financially, do you have a building permit from God? Oh, I'm going to pause there. Th I want you to think about what I just said. Do you have a building permit? Have you gone to God with your plans? And some of this stuff, folks, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but there's a, there's a, probably about 10 statements that I repeat over and over and over because they're so important to me and I believe they should be important to you. If you were going to start a business and you had to go to the bank to get the blessing to start the business because you need some money, you have to have a business plan. How much more should you have a business plan if you go before your king and God? So do you have a building permit? And many of you would say, well, yeah, um, God gave me the love of my life. Uh, we've been married two years. We've it was, it's created a foundation, a strength in our marriage, and now it's time to build together. Or uh, if, you know, for those of you who are single and you just have someone uh, in your life, uh, you know, married or just you've taken on someone into your life uh, and you've been in relationship with them for a certain amount of time, but you want to build something even more. Uh, perhaps you do an investment together. Perhaps you build your relationships in a greater way by going on vacations and including in, you know, an important uh, holiday dinners or, you know, but if you're going to do things, do you have the permit? Do you have that permit to disciple someone? Do you have that permit to mentor someone? And if God issued the permit, what is in, what was on God's mind when he issued it? In other words, what is God's will? What should be created, designed, purposed by the issuance of that permit? You know, we often wonder uh, that I see someone in need, I want to go to the need. And sometimes you just, sometimes God calls you to go to a need and just to, to help that person in a very temporary way. But sometimes God calls us to help that person in a more meaningful way and to truly mentor someone. Like, uh, and listen, I, I almost want, uh, I, I break down in tears if I really start telling the story. But uh, this man, Tim, came to me. Uh, when I was going through the hardest time in my life, literally, I was just there. I, the attacks were coming from everywhere. I just become a Christian and God dismantled my life, like just ruined me, ruined my relationships, ruined everything. I had to build back from square one in every aspect of my life. And Tim was called to disciple me and to walk with me. And he did for years. 
until I was on my feet and it was time for me to start discipling and start walking with others. Didn't Jesus lay that example? Didn't he disciple 12 disciples? Well, more than 12, but, you know, 12 are famous in the Bible. And didn't he walk with them for the time who was needed until they were ready? Because, you know, right after, when the Holy Spirit came, they were ready. So we need to approach God and talk to him about what we're doing and get confirmation with him. And believe me, when, when you go back through particularly the first few episodes of, of these, this new goggles series, God's word, and you go through the scriptures, you're going to learn how to hear God's voice in a much better way. Look, I hear more than one voice in my head. You know, there's the old saying, angel on this shoulder, devil on that shoulder. Well, I think really the, the devil on the shoulder is mostly your flesh. Uh, don't, I'm not minimizing that there's a real devil. There is, and he'll whisper in your ear too. Uh, but I think usually it's the flesh. Look, they, they know your weaknesses, uh, these dark forces better than you do, and they'll use them against you. And uh, and when we open up doors, you give permission uh, for him to do that. So we need to discern God's voice much more clearly. And literally, I, I can tell you, uh, I, I'm not perfect in this by any means. Uh, I say this with humility, but I've been training myself to hear God's voice. And one of the ways is to read a scripture. You won't know a counterfeit unless you know the real thing. And, you know, God reveals everything we need needed to have revealed in his word. So un reading and understanding his word uh, takes time. It does. But I've gotten to the point that when there's a there's a voice inside of my head and it's in a certain quadrant, you know, um, and it's, it's a certain way and it lines up with God's word, I know it's God. And, and I, and it's not just God repeating scripture in my head. God actually talks to me like a friend because I fellowship with him and I, I walk with him and I talk with him. Um, in this world, Jesus is my closest friend. That's an honest and true statement. I talk to him more than I talk to my wife, more than I talk to my daughter more than I talk to my father, my sister. I'm not saying that to be boastful. I'm saying it because I'm nothing without him. How do I know that? Tried it on my own. And even when I thought I had reached, you know, in my early 20s, I had reached a pinnacle of success. I was living the dream, man. I was living it for a young man. I was making good money. I was partying like crazy, getting paid to party. And it was so empty. It was so empty. There was nothing of value in any of it. 
God pulled me out of that pit. He rescued me. And I tried to do it on my own again. And he let me. And it crashed and burned. Empty. But God loves me. He loves you. He'll pull you up again. Now, my son or daughter, will you listen to your wise father? I created you. I have purpose in your life, says God. I want the best for you. You're my child. I love you more than anything. Will you follow my word? Will you follow my plan for your life? Will you start to take these things seriously that no one else has been teaching you? It's been in God's Bible the whole time, folks. Just we didn't have eyes to see it. But now we do. Now is the time. Now is the time to start taking action on this and start building relationally and discipling and studying. In fact, um, let's talk about discipling because Christ modeled it for us. And I alluded to this a minute ago. So there is a methodology that Jesus modeled for us. And of course, Jesus is our pattern in life and his pattern is discipleship. And I'll just point you to, uh, I've got a whole bunch of scripture on that. Obviously discipleship is, uh, actually in the Bible, I have this written down somewhere. So God mentions the word Christian three times. And I believe discipleship is mentioned over 250 times. I can't. Think of the multiple, folks. Is it important to God? So look at uh, John chapter 5. Uh, actually, just read 5 through 30. <laughs> okay, There's a whole bunch of individual scriptures in there, but just, leave, just read 5 through 30. And to be a disciple, I, I should really define the word. Uh, it means to be a disciplined learner. So remember in the chap in the in the last session, number seven, governance, we talked about self-governance a lot. It's the foundation. Uh, you can't go for, you can't go past that. <laughs> you can't even follow so you can't even follow a leader properly unless you can self govern and the best leaders are the best followers because they know the importance of it. So 
to be a disciplined learner is actually self-governance in learning. I'm dedicated to learning these things. That's a disciple. And just as an example, again, I'm not trying to, but I'm a disciplined learner uh, to be able to bring forth this information to you. I'm a disciplined learner of all the things that we talk about in our Intel shows and all the different things that we do. I have to be disciplined in learning those things and understanding them uh, so I can bring them forth. Now, you know, am I perfect in that? No. Am I perfect in this? No. But I am a disciplined learner. And here is something profound about being a disciplined learner. Are you ready? I'm pausing because I really want you to hear this. A disciplined learner is not necessarily just the addition of knowledge. In most cases, a disciplined learner is actually removing things that don't belong. Think about it. What are the hurdles in your life? What are the self-governance issues that are stopping you from fulfilling your purpose in God? Is it you need to know more? Well, knowledge is good. Knowledge is power. All that is true. But it's usually the removing of things that will help you because God gave you everything you needed. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. So the 12 apostles obviously followed uh, this discipleship pattern. And there's, you know, probably the best example. Uh, obviously, he wrote most of the, you know, two-thirds of the New Testament. So uh, it is the best example. But Paul follows Christ's pattern. And that's why the book of Acts is so important, because a lot of it is based on Paul, uh, obviously, in his journeys. But I would point you to uh, two verses to find out, because Paul really defines and kind of re-illustrates what Christ's pattern of discipleship is. Uh, and that's in 1 Corinthians, both of these, uh, chapter 4, verse 17, and chapter 11, verse 1. And remember, we're talking here as, as a big picture about the generations in your family. Your bloodline family and your extended family. I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. Okay, who has God knitted you with? Oh, all right. So let's uh, just talk about uh, four different aspects that I can identify uh, in discipleship. And, you know, obviously, 
studying the skills of your mentor, you know, watching and learning. If someone is going to disciple you, uh, at first, you need to kind of watch them do it. Otherwise, they don't even earn the right to disciple you unless you could see them actually doing it, right? So you want to be able to study the skills of that person who is discipling you. And listen, um, you know, someone who is discipling can be discipling you in marriage as an outsider saying, listen, you know, I've had a great marriage for, you know, well, my marriage is 18, yeah, 18 years this month. Woohoo! Um, however, you know, um, you know, someone who's been married for 40 years, you might want to listen to what they have to say. And then they invite you into their home and say, watch how we do it. Okay. Or good discipling could be, you know, teaching someone on a job site. And listen, if you, if you're a tradesperson or something like that, you want, someone's not, you don't just give someone the tools and say, okay, go do this. They have to, they have to see you do it. So you need to watch, you need to watch what that person is doing. Did the disciples watch Jesus? Of course they did. So uh, speaking of a trade, uh, that would be the next step in a discipleship process is after you've watched someone do it. And then, so let's say you're, you're a plumber and you're doing fittings and you have to do some welding or something like that. Obviously, you know, you're not going to give a greenhorn someone who's right off, you know, never even touched a tool in his life. Hey, here's the torch. Uh, let's make sure the water doesn't leak and ruin your house. Right. You know, um, so you need to then apprentice them. And after they've watched you do it, Hey, let's do it together. Look, I got your back in this. Let's do it together. So watch me do it. Now let's you and me do it together. Then after the person proves competent in doing it together with you, um, look, if, if, if you, uh, when you went to driving school or something like that, or let's say you're going to fly a plane, you go through school and you watch the person teach you all the things about the aircraft, and then you get into the aircraft and you watch that person fly the plane, then that person moves over to the other side of the cockpit and lets you fly the plane, but they're there. You know, in case something happens, they've got controls, we're going to land the plane, it's going to be fine, son or daughter. But then you've done well. It's your turn. I'll be here on the ground with the radio, but you get up there and you go do it. So you need to then take ownership of it. Can you see how this works with your kids? Kids watch you. They watch you in your marriage. They watch you in your relationship. They watch you how you handle your money. When I was growing up, my parents would never show me the family budget. It was a secret. They never wanted myself or my sister to know. I don't know why. 
It's just the way things were back in those days. And uh, so I, when I got out of school and I started making all kinds of money, and I did, I didn't know what to do with it. I partied. I lived life large, you know, really knocked off my bucket list before I was 30. My bucket list was so misaligned, mind you. Uh, but I did it. It was what a waste. In fact, the one of the only financial lessons that I really got from my parents, and, and by the way, I love my father. Everything is good. Uh, no disrespect, but I'm just telling you a true story. Uh, the first lesson I really had in life was uh, they co-signed me to buy a vehicle that was way too extravagant for an 18-year-old. So here, son, here's how you get out of school and go into debt. Yeah. So how much better should you do in your family? Should they see you with a budget? Should you apprentice them and actually show, listen, this is our family budget. This is how we do things. And, and after a while, you know, your kid's 16, 17, 18, whatever the age is, every kid's different. Listen, I want you to actually do the, the family budget this month. Here's our income. Here's our debits. You've been following it for a while. I want you to do it. You know, even being a lower class, a middle class family, you can start to get generational wealth. I don't care if you're raised in a trailer. It has to start somewhere with you. And no matter what you make, God can multiply it, and he'll only multiply it if you're a good manager. Folks, I, I got a running coupon in the description box for the uh, Creating Wealth Through Stewardship course. If you haven't taken it, I don't know what the hell you're thinking. Uh, that word was used advisedly, by the way. I, I think I've given it like 197 to anyone who in the right on radio community. It's 497 for those who aren't who just go on the website. But for you, it's like 197. And uh, if, if you're making $50,000 a year and you have an extra $10,000 a year without changing your lifestyle just by running a proper budget, and it's not all about budgeting. I talk about multiplication, and I'm going to get there in this teaching. Um, but <laughs> you haven't done it. <laughs> well, maybe you know it all. Okay. That's a good answer. Um, I'm passionate about this, folks. It's not about sales for me. It's I'm passionate about it. Is this a way I can help many people? Has God given me a platform to help many people? Yeah. And if you didn't put anything into it, you wouldn't respect it. You wouldn't do the work. It would just sit there. If I gave it away to everyone, in fact, I gave it away to a whole bunch of people and you know who you are. And I can actually see if these people have taken the course and they haven't. Why? Because I gave it to them. Oh, it's just there. I don't have time to do what God's plan for my life is. <laughs> Anyways, I, I digress. I'm, I'm passionate, folks. I, I, what else can I say? So you have to watch your mentor, your disciple, 
you go into an apprenticeship with them. And, and by the way, I've never even offered this. I just thought of it now. Um, I could offer coaching. I never have uh, throughout this, but I could add it. If, you're, if you've taken the course and you're interested in working with me outside of the course, uh, you can contact me through the, uh, the platform and uh, we'll have a conversation. Uh, and then eventually you have to do it on your own. You need to take ownership. You need to do it. And of course, after you can do it, you don't need your mentor, your disciple, your, the person who discipled you anymore. What is the next step? 